Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Two stacked after hours. And I know beauty told when it's super round. And it's in a little down and it's around. Well, we cheese yeah. him a lot, but we got him on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> stacked after hours. Um, what an interesting. Uh... Interesting intro there, but I mean, we are back. You can't argue against it. You know, we're welcoming you back um, to listening to this show. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for this episode because this is the first Ethan and Brandon only episode. You know, uh, weird that I never thought we'd get one of these. Yeah, we use, we hate each other's guts, so like we don't really usually want to do just a solo thing. But you know, when Chris is out <laughs> being smart and educated and going to class and not skipping class for stacked. I guess we'll just have We're to... being dumb. Yeah. We're being we're dumb. We're being dumb online. We're being we're being dumb online but getting dumb money from it cuz the only billion dollar podcast out there. Ha ha ha. Anyways, yeah, we're just going to shoot the shit for an hour. Uh there's a lot to catch up on, Brandon. I feel like there's a lot to yeah. catch up between me and you. I feel like we haven't seen each other. I haven't seen you since 80 for Brady, and that felt like years ago. When was that? Was that like two weeks ago? <laughs> no, it was like two, that was like two years ago. I'm I'm pretty sure that was two years ago. Because um, last week was the Super Bowl. Was yep. it? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. And you worked during the Super Bowl. Um, I did. You missed out on us playing kickball for the first quarter. We went to the park and played kickball. And yeah. I got very high. And I was looking. I was looking at the TV screen, you know, but I wouldn't say I was watching the Super Bowl, you know. You were experienced. I was, ex- I, I was, I was there, but I wasn't there. You know, you were um, calling the plays. You were calling the shots. I, I was pulling the strings. I had, I had my headset. On, I was talking to, um, like, who, who's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. That's right. That's Paul Rudd loves him. Paul Rudd's son loves him. Um, yeah. I saw the clip where they thanked him for just be existing. Um, <laughs> I always forget that Paul Rudd's from Kansas. I feel bad for Kansas City sports fans because they're not from like a big market. Yeah. So it's like you, you, the Royals are never good. They've only won one World Series in the past thirty years, and the Chiefs luckily have won two Super Bowls. So now they're 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 living it. You know, they're living it up. <laughs> well, you know, Kansas City's uh, it's a uh, it's been it had a big weekend that weekend because uh, um, Brian, are you watching The Last of Us? No. But I know, okay. I know you know that Worlds of Fun makes an appearance, which is a Cedar Fair Park, which owns oh, Knoxbury yeah, Farm. It, it does. That was in, <laughs> so. That was in episode four. That's right. Yeah, Worlds of Fun was in episode four. Like, but they go to Kansas said, City the same weekend right. the Super Bowl was, and it, and Kansas City is <laughs> fucked up in the Last of Us world. Yeah, Brandon. Corporate synergy, gotta say, as good stuff. As a, as, a, as a friend, I need to tell you, you need to start watching The Last of Us. I know you're not a TV guy. You had a, uh, you had a quick little phase. I remember when we were living together. Uh, you watched Abbott Elementary. You rewatched all Community. You need to get back into TV for Last of Us because it is like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. It's on my board over there. Take- I have a... The Boys is on that list. <laughs> the Bear put it sex education i I know i always told you to watch the boys i would i would say 
forget it. The Last of Us, number one. Okay, <laughs> buddy, it is, it is insane. It is such a good show. Um, it is the best zombie thing I've ever seen. Um, because it's not it's, even better than the Romero dead uh, movies from the 70s better than Roberto dead movies better than return of the living dead better than Shaun of the dead better than any of that stuff walking dead better than yeah i've never seen walking dead i don't, I don't give a shit about that um <laughs> zombie land but it, they're not like they're not even really zombies i don't even know what to they, they act like zombies but they're not really zombies but that's what makes it so cool yeah. uh and it's not really even about them it's about like how it's about like the like how evil we can become in a post-apocalyptic world but also the beauty of humanity and it's like i feel this is gonna be for hbo what game of thrones was to the book world oh yeah uh in that there's they're gonna come out with season one it's Mm -hmm. gonna be exactly like the game they're gonna come out with season two it's gonna be pretty much exactly like the game yeah and then they're they're gonna outpace the (laughs) development for three and they're gonna just next and then they're just gonna run it into the ground like Walking Dead. I'm betting. I'm betting I, that's what's gonna happen. I think they'll probably try to split season one into multiple seasons because something happens in Walking Dead. Oh, not Walking Dead. Jesus, Last of Us Two at the beginning of Last of Us Two that I don't think HBO would want to do, <laughs> but it's like it's the thing in the game, you know. So I yeah. think I think they want to get their money's worth out of the story of last of us one you know before before that one thing happens, happens. I, have you do you know what happens in last of us two okay no, I, won't so tell don't, you. I, I don't know the story all i know is it's like they're zombies but they're not zombies they're like creatures they're fungus evolve yeah they're infected and by like a fungus yeah and it's like every other zombie thing kind of but like but that doesn't mean i wouldn't be interested because you like zombies I mean, right yeah, no, I like. I almost. I even like Zombieland Double Tap. I, I keep forgetting. We thought that, that was great. Exists. Yeah, yeah, we thought that was a surprisingly good sequel, and nobody's gonna talk about that movie ever again. You know, it yeah. just came out. Just you know? came out, right? You know, and when it was solid. You, but you can't be like Chris. I okay here. I feel like we always call out at least one person on these. <laughs> we always call out the missing person, <laughs> the person who's not here. <laughs> Chris <laughs> refuses to watch The Last of Us. Because he's such a big fan of the game. And that makes no fucking sense to me. Because everyone who's played the game... uh, My future brother-in-law, Ben... He is a big fan of the game. He loves the show. Everyone who's played the game loves the show. But Chris, like he, for some reason, he's so protective... Because he loves the game so much... That he doesn't want the show to ruin that. And I'm I'm trying to tell him. like, You know, I'm trying to tell him. Joey's trying to tell him. Tori's trying to tell him. Wait, they're watching it? Yeah, Joey, Tori, and Justin. We watch it together, actually. Um, Yeah. And, like... We're trying to tell Chris, like, go watch the show, you know, go watch the show with us. He's like, he's like, I don't know, you know, I just, I love The Last of Us. I don't want to be ruined. It's like, no, it's, it's better. I think here's what I think. I think Chris, Chris gets this way sometimes, and this is no offense to you, Chris, if you're listening. If you're listening, maybe, maybe he is. You know, yeah, actually, you probably, you probably listen. I listen. I listen to the episodes that I'm not in. He'll listen Um, to this one. Yeah, Uh, I was like. Chris, when you tell him, he's like Justin sometimes and that he doesn't want to do something if you tell him. But also, Chris sometimes will do something as a way of like, just he doesn't want, he doesn't have time to get to it and he'll make an excuse as to why he shouldn't want to watch it because he doesn't want another thing on his plate. So that's what I think is happening here. It's going to, it's going to evolve from him 
saying that like you know like he's too protective of the, of the game to when it comes out then he's gonna say he's not gonna have enough time to play chris i'm calling i'm calling you out you're gonna do that and i <laughs> i want you to stop it right now this is a public... i'm not mad at you chris but i just know that <laughs> we can't have this do. be children of men okay we can't We're, i'm calling you on that year. too you've never seen children he promise of men. he promised promise. now you gotta months. promise to watch the last of us because i guarantee you'll love that show i mean we could sit him down and watch it for a movie night have him watch it but... <laughs> I don't want to watch Children of Men for a movie night. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not really <laughs> I the I want to watch Big Mama's like... House 2 or something. Like, you know? <laughs> like, the last time we watched serious movies for movie night, like, actually, like, serious, serious, was, like, college. It's it's easier when it's in person, I feel. Like, watching a right. serious movie together. Because, well, like, what do you mean? Yeah, The Dictator. Okay, no, 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 no. Like, it was easier when we were in college and we were in series because we were, like, uh i feel like we just need the to, academic side the, the, we needed the academic side you know we were we were so into that you know um and i i, I don't know i don't i'm always down for serious you know we had serious movie nights when we were when we roomed together you know well that's because we lived together we couldn't escape that's true you know <laughs> yeah couldn't escape it uh, um but yeah that's my little spiel on the last of us that's been like i think the thing that i've been like obsessed with the most this past month, you know, the thing that's given me the most joy and pleasure. Um, what about you, Brandon? What have you, what have you been watching, dude? What have you been doing? Huh? Um, I've been rewatching stuff because um, my girlfriend's been really into like like watching new stuff, and for her, and then having her having me watch her favorite stuff. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of her favorites and I can I can tell. I can always tell. I can always <laughs> tell when I go into your letterbox. I'm like, "Okay, that Evelyn picked that movie cuz I, I could never see Brandon in a million years like deciding to watch that movie on a whim." <laughs> you know, like Your Place for Mine or High School Musical 3 or I don't know, Step Up Revolution. <laughs> None of those are very good movies. I'm sorry. Oh, but, <laughs> but you're being you're sorry. being a good boyfriend and you're, you know. Yeah. You're having your that's sharing that, that quality time. But, that's all that matters, you know. But I also get that the even thing of showing her things that she's never seen. Like we just watched when Harry met Sally. Oh. She never seen, and she said, "Add that to my favorites." Right after <laughs> we watched it, yeah. <laughs> um, I finally got to White Noise. Yeah. Uh, that Noah Baumbach movie. It's my least favorite of his stuff that I've seen, but I still liked it. Like I still, I get the appeal. Yeah. And I, I think it is a lot different from what he's been producing, even though it has similar strains of his other work in there. Yeah. it's um, And it's crazy that, like, literally the events of that movie are happening in real life right now. Um, oh, yeah. It literally, it, like, by location, like, it, it takes place in Ohio with a train crash, with, like, toxic chemicals making a big black cloud that literally just happened. Um and it's yeah it's happening a lot i mean but actually okay a little, little hot take here uh train derailments happen all the time even with chemicals um so i'm I'm curious why this is like um be- becoming becoming a, a really phenomenon. big thing right now you know yeah uh maybe it's just because people are in are like i don't know they're like they're cur- like they're their intent on living in a paranoid time because of the chinese weather balloons that are actually spy balloons yeah 
there's movies about conspiracy and there's always like the Russian side of things and that there's this disbelief in big tech and the companies and it's like it's the crumbling of our institutions just the right time movie you know yeah it's crazy the right but in, in actuality I haven't really been watching a ton of stuff i've been collecting a lot of physical media because i yes, haven't tell me tell, tell tell the listeners what you've been tell the listeners. Your, your 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 grand splurges of late well well basically it didn't start until like earlier this month i think because i went home and i got a nice sum of cash from my aunt for christmas and i said thank you so much <laughs> and i said i, I, I yes, said thank, thank you, you. thank you auntie thank you very much <laughs> and i said what do i what do i want to purchase because i've got this new shelf that i've acquired and put together that holds like 600 plus cases and i brought a lot home from my trip to arizona right and i figured this is time to a fill it up and b uh, complete certain collections visually on my shelf. Right. So I've finally, after Ethan was purchasing every Marvel movie day one, <laughs> I kind of held back yeah. until he left, until he <laughs> moved out. Yeah. <laughs> and I bought the rest of the titles that they have. I got a VHS player for my dad. So I, co- so I got cool. his VHSs. Yeah. All like 26 of them or something. Uh, and very rare dvds and blu-rays that i've been finding trying to find like i found code on dvd i got a screener for that where'd you get that i'm not telling because i don't want to but it's it i acquired it (laughs) and it's a legit screening it's legit (laughs) yeah Uh, i've seen it (laughs) i got anna and the apocalypse which is a very rare find in region one oh sorry that was oliver hey shut up he hey, didn't like that. No, he. I don't like that movie either. I trained him to bark at Anna <laughs> the Apocalypse because it's not a great movie. Hey, shut it. Shh. Uh, and then you know, I'm just filling in movies that I really like that were on my like my wish list, and also my big one was completing all the Best Picture winners, which oh, I recently yeah. did. Ethan has one of them, so the shelf isn't technically complete. I- right I'll now give it back he... on Wednesday. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, but I want to show him the shelf. And he'll love it, I think. I can't wait but to see it. Can't wait it's to a, see it. It's an amazing shelf. And I, I really love being able to show off my collection like I'm at a blockbuster. Like, before this, my girlfriend and I, we were going through every movie. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like, the art of the physical media, the coast. Like, <laughs> it just looks nice. And then you can look on the back. And not only that, you can actually put in the whole disc and watch special features. Or, like, watch the movie. And it's just like... I miss I I miss this feeling. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I love about my collection too. It's just like I love when people come over and like uh you know when someone's over I'm just like, "Hey, let's watch a movie. Pick from pick from the DVDs and Blu-rays, you know?" And it's like yeah. it's it's way more satisfying than like going through Netflix and stuff, you know? It's great. But I have to say, right, I have some really sad news. I am this is making this is like the one of the biggest thorns in my side for the past few weeks. My PS4 is breaking down, and for some for some reason it's it's not playing sound on Blu-rays, and I don't Wait, what? I don't know why because um I watched all the Ant-Man movies before Quantumania, right? 
and I, and, and and every movie Ant-Man's been in, right? So I pulled out all my Blu-rays, you know, I stacked them up. I'm like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to get through all these, you know?" And I put in the first Ant-Man, and like for some reason it plays sound during the trailers and the main menu, but when I actually go in to play the movie, it's silent. Have you tried it on any other Blu-ray player? I don't. I know you don't have one. I don't have any. But like, no, because I was hey, like, "Bring it to my house. I, Bring it to my but house." But then I did it for <laughs> Captain America Civil War. Same thing happened. I did it for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Same thing happened. So I don't know what's going on. But then I um I watched Baraka the other day. That that one I have on Blu-ray, and that was fine. So maybe like so it's just the Marvel movies. I don't, I, maybe it's just the Marvel movies, but and I mean I watched Cimarron, and that was fine. You know that was a DVD. That's a DVD. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, it's making me scared. You know, maybe now it's time for me to actually get a 4K player. You know. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good to invest. I mean, yeah, you already have like 21. I already have 17. Ha- I have 21 4K Blu-rays. I, I'm dying to watch Nope on 4K. I really want to see how that looks. You can, we can watch that on Wednesday. Because mm-hmm. I have because you have it on 4K. All right, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh. But yeah, I mean, like it's sad, but like it's a necessary upgrade for us any cinephile like that. Yeah. But I'm um, for me, unlike Ethan. Yeah. I don't I don't discriminate against DVDs because there are a lot of movies a that aren't on a HD format, and B. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, I I will buy a DVD if it's only in DVD. Okay. If there if I am given the choice. If I see a movie that 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 I want on DVD, knowing that there's a Blu-ray of it out there, I won't buy it because I'm like, I'll, I'd rather just have the Blu-ray. That's the well, only way me... I discriminate against DVDs. But if it's like this is the only way, like uh, let's see, what's one that I only have on DVD that I can't get? Stray Dog, Stray Dog, Kira Kurosawa's Stray Dog. That's only on DVD. So I was like, all right, Dougal, Dougal, <laughs> Dougal might have a Blu-ray. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoons that's only on DVD. Uh, the Mystery Science Theater Gamera movies only on DVD. Uh, Initial D only on DVD. You know. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, I like given the choice. Like you know, if I see a DVD, even if like even if the Blu-ray is just like ten dollars more expensive, I'd go for the Blu-ray. I did a count of my collection to see how many movies I had on DVD and how many I had on Blu-ray. Uh, that I have the cases for. I didn't do the account for the stuff in the binder still. Right. I had 449 Blu-rays and 588 DVDs. Ooh, that's pretty. That's a near even, even split. That's a near even split. But here's my thinking, right? I want to get the stuff that I really, really want to see on Blu-ray. Yeah. On Blu-ray, mostly modern stuff. But if I don't like a movie, I'm not going to invest that extra. Like, if I'm especially, I'm not going to go back to it. Yeah. You know, we were. Like talk, just talking uh, before the podcast, I don't think this was on the podcast, but we were talking about what Marvel movies they didn't have on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have the Thor movies on Blu-ray, any of them. I don't have <laughs> Thor 3, Thor 4, <laughs> Thor 1, Thor 2, none of them. They're all on DVD. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. If I want to just pop it in, doing a marathon of the Thor movies, that's fine with me. I could watch it in standard 480, even if it's upscaled, wow. even if it's upscaled. But like for the most part, yeah, I agree. I, I I would rather go with Blu-ray or 4K. Yeah, and that that's where my like favorite movies are. You know, I don't really have other than like stuff that I've gotten on as a deal, like Sully or Jersey Boys <laughs> on Blu-ray. No, not Jersey Boys again. <laughs> or stuff that I've gotten as gifts, like Cavalcade and 
Barbaria. Like, I don't really, like, buy movies blindly that are on Blu-ray or 4K. Right. Usually don't try to do that. I don't... Yeah, I don't either. You know, I, I still own Hidden Figures on DVD. <laughs> I haven't seen but it. That was it, your, it that was it your choice. That was that was your it choice. was a gift, yeah. That's true. It was a gift. It was a gift. They said, Ethan's gonna like Hidden Figures a lot. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. I think that's, like, one of, that's it, one of the only movies I haven't seen in my collection. That and, like, some Murder Mysteries, part of, like, this TCM Murder Mystery DVD collection. I don't know. Anyways. That's good. That's pretty impressive, not gonna lie. On my shelf, I don't think there's a lot I have seen, haven't seen. Yeah. I think Return of the... No. Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen. That's on my shelf. Um... So you know the best picture winners. Yeah. Uh, one of I haven't seen Decalogue and Shoah, but they're in my Criterion. Oh, you forgot show. you own those, yeah. I forgot I own them. I don't forget. I just I'm just like hesitant. No, I forgot. I forgot time. you own those. Oh, oh yeah. So <laughs> it's just like those are. It's kind of like, do I want to have the undertaking to do that right now? Right is the thing. But I'm like, I have to. I have the ability to. You certainly um, do. But that brings us to like a sad thing that I noticed recently when I went to go see Ant-Man. Oh, fuck. Yeah, let's get into this. It's so depressing. I, yeah, I went to go to Ant-Man on uh, Friday morning, uh, honestly, because everybody was like, oh, it's a Saturday, Sunday cartoon sort of vibe. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll get less annoying crowd because I've kind of become disenchanted unless it's a big Avengers movie from seeing Marvel movies opening night, Mm. mainly because it's the biggest fans and they're expecting the cheer. So they're going to cheer and then I'm going to miss something in regards to the story and I will get a jaded or ununique perspective of how to view a movie because I'm just going to be the experience is going to cloud my judgment, I think. Right. So I want to view the movie as solidly as possible. Anyway, um, I was going to go after to Best Buy to go get Black Panther Wakanda Forever on either 4K or on Blu-ray. Um, and I went into Best Buy after the movie and I'm looking around and I look, I walked in every, every fucking aisle except for the appliances, like for <laughs> food. And if it was there, I'm sorry. Do you see any Kasori like, products? Hmm? i'm not gonna say anything (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) yeah Uh, contracts uh, (laughs) negotiation Mm. uh but uh i looked everywhere and they only had a single rack and it wasn't for blu-rays it wasn't for dvds it was just for ps4 games and switch and it was completely empty regarding like except for like two or three titles and i was just since when did this happen because i've been hearing it happening from like the midwest and stuff like that but not like a store that is like by the biggest movie theater in orange county i thought out of anywhere that it would be there yeah and i was like oh it's not it's not bad like let me just go to target or something or like some other store go there oh like they have one rack and it's run out or they have like exponentially raise the prices on it so it's like $35 for a and I'm like I'm not paying $20 for a DVD $30 for a Blu-ray or $40 for a 4K yeah Uh, Best Buy used to have such cheap Blu-rays dude do you you remember they used to have like a pile when they were like five bucks five dollars yeah oh my god dude okay so I actually after you told me that uh, I bought uh, I bought myself a magic bullet um, from Best Buy in West Hollywood the other day. Um, uh-huh. 
And they did they did have a, a solid Blu-ray section. It wasn't like it was like an aisle and a half, like one tiny aisle, you know. It, yeah. it, when it was both sides Blu-rays, and then there was like two standees, you know. But uh-huh. the thing is, they're so expensive. Yeah, there was they like raised the prices. I don't, I don't get it. They should be lowering the prices because that's what they did when we were in college. Remember, like it was paradise. Like I just remember going to like I remember going to that Best Buy in Tustin, and just like yeah. there was so many cheap Blu-rays there, and that's that's like honestly that's what got me to like really start my collection because I'm like. Oh shit! Blu-rays are really cheap now, you know, because they're trying to get rid of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get on this, and I started doing it. But now they're raising it back up, and now there's even less. I don't get it. That's the that's the opposite of supply and demand, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I ha- in order to find the stuff that I've been searching for, I've been going to secondhand stores or used stores. Like I went to Book Off. Yeah, which that's, has been a godsend. That is that is great for Blu-rays. Yeah, because I was like, there's a lot of the stuff I already have, but if I can just go through my list and see, oh, there is one here that I really, really want. Or if I go to like a Redbox location, I'm like, okay, I'll just buy the disc for this because I really don't need the case for this movie. Then I would. Then I'll do that. But like, there is a diminishing amount, and I think COVID's having an effect and streaming's having an effect, but I don't know. I think a lot of people actually are going to be kind of upset but then again i went to walmart today yeah and they had only dvds that's except for the newest releases so which weird black panther was out of everything except for the dvd and the only movie that was on blu-ray that i wanted that i got was the fablemans that was the only one left mm. and the woman king but i didn't get that mm. so and I was like, "What is this? What's happening? Is physical media actually dying for real this time?" It could. I. It. You know, I didn't think about COVID. You know, silly me. Um, but I. I. I do think that was a big thing that happened to it because maybe that, like, just that hurt just the manufacturing of it. You know, and that's probably why they made them more expensive. They couldn't drop the prices because the stores probably. It's probably really hard for stores just to buy them because the manufacturers probably raised the price. You know. It's only like five dollars to make a disc, and probably another five dollars to make a case. So if you like, yeah, that's ten dollars, and if you're charging twenty, that should be fine. You know, I get the surplus idea, right? Yeah. If people aren't buying them, what do they do with those? What do you think they do with them? I don't know. There's no expiration date on DVDs and Blu-ray. Do they just do throw they them out? Those? Yeah, do they just throw them in the back and go... Brandon, uh, are we about to become Blu-ray dumpster divers? Are we going to become like these insane <laughs> psycho people? Oh, I found Sonic the Hedgehog on 4K. I found Sonic 2 on 4K. Oh, I gotta... <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, that's going to be us. I also got to go... You know, now that I live super close to Amoeba Records, I got to keep going there. Because right. they, got, they got a great... Uh, blu-ray you know section there just for movies any kind of movie um and the store by joey and tori the one they took us to not the vhs store that we're gonna the record store right yeah that one that had an amazing selection and those were so cheap they were and it was like half off like everything it was half off yeah so i got like i got like five blu-rays for 20 bucks it was crazy yeah 
It was crazy. And steel books I, I, even. I got I got a few steel books, like my Scarface steel book, which is really cool. This the Superman one's kind of a rare one too. The Red Sun, yeah, it. Superman Red. Yeah, oh, and I got yeah, I got the Superman the movie on 4K for five bucks. That he can't. Watch I can't even it. watch it on 4K, but I maybe someday. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just come over to my house with your 4Ks and we can watch them. I think no, dude. I think I gotta get a player. I don't think I'm gonna get a PS5. It, Why not? Because it's almost like I might as well just wait till the PS6 now. Like, <laughs> what if that seriously? doesn't come out ever? You don't think a PlayStation Six will come out? PlayStation? They... No, it'll come out, but it, will it be as just as difficult to get a hold of? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I, the thing is not difficult to get a hold of. I can find a way to get it. Just the thing is, for me, is like, I don't know if a PS5 is worth it. Because I can't think of any games I would get for it. Like, what, you know? I can't think of any good games I was like, oh. You know, for PS4, I was like, oh, I gotta get it for, like, uh, for Justice 2 and, like, uh, Spider-Man and Batman Arkham Knight, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. I can't think of any PS5 games that are, like, a must for me, you know? Yeah, maybe I guess because like Sonic Frontiers got that on Switch. I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, and, and like the Spider-Man games, like there's the new Spider Spider-Man Two, uh, but they're just backwards compatible with the PS4 because yeah. they just made it for it because they were like nobody can get their hands on this, so why would we mass produce an item? Exactly, dude. Exactly. It's, but like, yeah, it's just depressing. I don't know. So maybe I think the I state mean, of, I mean, your your 4K player is 150 bucks, right? Well, I got a good deal on it because Big Lots, right? No, what? No, I didn't go to Big Lots. Oh, I went to Walmart. Oh. But they were doing a deal that if you bought it online or you went to into the store at a certain time of day or a certain thing, you would get like certain amount off. And I did, and it was the cheapest one that I got. Because uh, if you went to Target, the only way to get it cheaper is if you bought it online and picked it up like two days later or something mm. which was like ridiculous to me so i was like no i want it now i'm gonna go to walmart now <laughs> it <is laughs> it's <way>. cheaper <laughs> it's cheaper all right so i got it uh cheap and it's a great player i think now if you're like not a avid movie watcher at home yeah then maybe you won't like it probably not because <laughs> because like if like or if like even if you're like an avid movie watcher who is like only exclusively watches 4k it's probably not the best player but i can't see the discrepancies yeah that people like films at home on youtube does or something they're like the 4k quality i'm like freaking nerds oh it looks great to me <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> I don't know. the only difference is the, the difference between a blu-ray and a 4k is the coloring and shadows and yeah. the detail those are the three big details and you'll notice and sometimes you're just going to prefer the blue prefer the blu-ray that's right. But in a lot of cases, the reality is so cool. And unspecialized ET. That was epic. It wasn't the one with the CGI ET or the guns swapped for walkie talkie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, so the I was like, swap. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah, cool. it was, it's, it's just depressing to see that media is going down this direction. But I don't know. People are just going to regret it because, I mean, just look what's happening with HBO Max. They're just like, they're just taking everything off. Even, like, exclusives for the streaming service, they're taking it off, and now it's just, like, th- those pieces of media are gone forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is insane. It's, it's not, That's, like, criminal. I don't get it. It is. 
it's just unfair and a lot of people are like oh i really want to watch this and then it's like oh well it's exclusive to this streaming service i'm like oh okay and they're like well let's watch this instead i'm like well that's exclusive to a different streaming service and then i'm like so you have to subscribe to like 10 streaming services to get all of the movies it's just cable it's cable all over again or you could just purchase and you're you're like well in the long run that's going to cost more money and i'm like but in the long run i'm going to have everything that i want to watch and i can if i have friends who also collect ethan yeah we can exchange movies i'm gonna get him I have all of the best picture winners on DVD or Blu-ray. And I'm going to watch them all this year. Going to do it. Yeah, and Ethan's trying to get through the rest of that he hasn't seen. And I have them, and he doesn't have to go through a streaming service. Exactly. You know? And like, and, so. and we'd be just like, if, if, if a friend wants to borrow like a movie, you know? It's great. Yeah. We can just lend it out to friends, you know? Yeah. They're like, oh, I really want to watch like this obscure movie or this like really popular movie. I'm like, all right, don't even bother renting it. I'll bring it over. We'll do a movie night. Or I'll give it to you. You can have a movie night. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I digress. I, we freaking digress. But that's what this whole show is about. It's just constant digressions, and that's okay, you know. Um, well, should we get into um our little movie review here? You know, because a uh, big movie yeah. came out recently. Um, you know, we haven't done one of these in a while, and I feel bad that Chris isn't involved. But that's true. Well, Chris, Chris has you know he's. He's going. He's sort of going through a, a change right now with the Marvel movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, I can I can start to see it. You know, if you read his review yeah. for Quantum Mania, which we will be reviewing today, Ant Man: The Lost Quantum Mania. Um, I don't know. He just it, like, I I get it. You know, for him, the just the magic isn't there anymore, and he's having a hard time getting invested. You know, um, mm-hmm. but for me, I'm still invested. Um. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm as invested as I was, before, like leading up to you know Infinity War and Endgame, where I was like, all oh, all these Marvel movies are my freaking life, man. You know, I'm I'm gonna watch them all over and over again. You know, I used to, every time I, the, there's a new one, the, rewatch legit, the whole. The thing. reason why I, when I put in my Ant Man Blu-ray and there was playing no sound, I'm like, oh, I probably like destroyed this Blu-ray because I've literally since I got that for Christmas in 2015, I can't even tell you how many times I've played that Blu-ray and. You know, my letterbox stats, that's only from 2017. So there's still two years of me in high school not not really branching out of, like, movies. I I used to very much stay in my comfort zone. So I would watch Ant-Man over and over and over again. So I was like, oh, that's probably why my Blu-ray's busted, you know? Um, (laughs) You wore it out. I wore it out. But usually Blu-rays have a longer shelf life than any other media. Like, (laughs) they don't scratch easy. No. I don't think I've ever scratched a Blu-ray. Uh, my so. my Baraka Blu-ray was scratched, which made me mad. But I cleaned. Did it skip? Uh, it skipped through one scene, and but I I ejected it and I cleaned it off, and it 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 played fine. But there was like, it was a little clippy, you know. Um, but that was like the first Whoa. time I ever seen that with a Blu-ray. But anyways, okay. that Blu-ray is okay. super old. I don't know. My dad got that a while ago. Uh, like when Blu-rays first came out. So. Um, yeah, let's get into Quantumania. Um, so as you, if, if you're, if you're a dear, humble listener of the show, you know me, you know, I freaking flipping, flipping adore that little tiny, tiny guy, Scott Lang. And man, look at Brandon. There he is right there. He's standing up on my, on air. He's, he's always been there. Um, yeah, I love, I love Ant-Man. Um, 
uh, ever since I was a kid, uh, ever since I saw the first Iron Man, actually, um, uh, you know, my mom bought me an Iron Man toy and it came with a little Ant-Man figure. Well, he, uh, she bought me an Iron Man toy and then another guy, which was Yellow Jacket, um, and the Yellow Jacket toy came with a little Ant-Man. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, I love this guy's awesome. I love how I love how he looks, and so I read up on Ant Man because it came up, it came with like this info card of like uh, the character. If you look, if you ever got the Marvel, I think it was called like Marvel Universe. They were the three and three quarter inch figures. I used to I collected so many of those. I have so many of those in my, my childhood home, um, but they used they used to come with like little info cards about the character, and so that's how I got to know Ant Man. And then I watched Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I was like, oh, you know, he's awesome. And then, um, and then of course, like I did more research, I would give presentations on Ant-Man in school, um, in eighth grade. I remember, um, I gave a presentation on Ant-Man and then some kid, uh, he gave a presentation on Molecule Man, the Fantastic Four villain. <laughs> and it was sort of like, we had like a, a rivalry between like our favorite ex- obscure comic book character. And I remember like we did this thing where the whole classroom, like we had to vote who was cooler, Ant-Man or Molecule Man. Everyone voted Molecule Man. I was like, are you freaking, are you fucking kidding me? You know, like, <laughs> come on, guys. And then... They don't deserve to live. They don't deserve to live. And then, of course, the movie Ant-Man came out, uh, like, two years later from that. Loved it. Uh, I wrote my college essay on Ant-Man, which got me into Chapman University. Love it. Uh, <laughs> love it. Good Chapman University. Great school. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out. I love that movie. I think that movie is, like, I think it's severely underrated in the MCU. Um, and that not even from a bias standpoint, I think that movie's really unique in how it like uh, tackles the the from the, the Marvel formula. I think it's very mm-hmm. different in terms of its narrative. And now we're here with Quantumania. Um, and it had a lot on its plate, you know. Um, you know, it's sort of like the true first like peek into what's this next saga gonna be about, you know. Um, we get, we get a really nice, uh, look at our, the new big bad, the next Thanos character, Kang the Conqueror, a character that you and I love to death. Adore. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, he's my second favorite Marvel villain right behind, of course, Modok, who's also in this movie. And we'll talk about him later. Um, uh, we will talk about him. We will talk about Modok, but, um, I had the pleasure of going to a cast and crew screening of Quantumania on the Disney lot. Um, there was no cast there. I don't think there was. Maybe there was, um, like extras and stuff. But, Paul Rudd in the background. Uh, Paul Rudd <laughs> did like record a message for all the people who worked at Marvel and uh, played it before the movie. I saw Andy Park there, which was really cool. He's the uh, the head of visual development at Marvel. Uh, he basically does all the concept art for all like the characters' costumes and stuff. He like designed them all. Um, so I saw him there. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just going to go around and say I loved this movie. I know a lot of people hate this movie. A lot of people think this movie is meh. And a lot of people think this movie is good. Like, like Brandon. He thought it was just good, right? Yeah. I don't think we've really, we've, we haven't really delved into her, you know, Amon and the Lost Quantum Man. Just over, you know, just some stuff over the text. So Brandon, yeah. tell me, like, what... What what worked for him in the Wasp and what didn't? Okay, what worked? What worked? Uh, I think what worked is Paul Rudd. Oh yeah. I think, I think he's just the heart and soul of the Ant Man movies. And as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes, I think he brings a lot to like the later MCU. 
you know, a lot of life that is because a lot of people will criticize those uh, and rightfully so in some cases of being kind of generic in their visual style yeah, and or sense of language. But I think he brings like some humanity, like an everyman or humanity, because not everybody's going to be like Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. in their appearance or charisma. Yeah. And they don't feel like normal people even when they are acting. Whereas like Paul Rudd feels like he's a normal guy. Yeah. Um, and I think he brings that to this movie as well. And the, especially with the Welcome Back Cotter opening, which we parodied on this show. <laughs> uh, it's it's wonderful. And yeah, it's, it's stuff that you've seen in, a tra- in the trailer. But it's lovely. And I do also really love the villains of the movie, both the secondary and primary villains. I think Kang and MODOK are terrifically realized. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big Ant-Man fan, just like Ethan. I kind of became a fan of his like when I was when I was watching I read the comics growing up and I remember being like oh Ant-Man I love that character just because like he's the smartest one it's it seemed like he was even smarter than Iron Man even though the movies don't really make him out to be that way I mean dude he created Uh, Ultron you know like right exactly and then they should say Hank Pinman yeah not Scott Lang he did Yeah. yeah and I loved his arc there, and then I sought him out in after the Avengers movie, which I was really upset that he didn't make it, but I was also like, okay, so they're not going to do Ant-Man because it's ridiculous, and why would they? And then they did the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're like, okay, well, maybe we could do Ant-Man now. Yeah. He's in our plan. And um, and I like the way they mixed up his origin story with Scott Lane instead of uh, Henry Pym. I was unsure about it at first, but the more I watch it, the more I like it. Yeah. And I think they've done a really good job at adapting uh, the relationships between characters and the tones, even though a lot of people are hating Modoc. Yeah. A lot of people. That is like, I and I will not lie. Like the people, when that first happened at the screening, everybody just burst out into laughter. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. But that was a great translation in terms of like what he is to what he and like yeah. I don't know Corey Stoll does a really good job at convey and I noticed that somebody had a complaint that he should have been emoting more, been more angry, yeah, and had more of a robotic voice. But I'm like, I think it works for this movie, and they could do whatever they want. It's a comic book franchise. There's multiverses. This is the multiverse saga. Yeah. Maybe they bring him back. A MODOK variant that like looks exactly like MODOK like, in the comic. Like a really exactly. disgusting. I um Okay, so like I said, MODOK is MODOK is my favorite villain. No, he's my second favorite villain of all time. Behind Clayface is my favorite villain of all time. MODOK's my second favorite, but he's my favorite Marvel villain. Um and the way I got introduced into MODOK, do you remember this it was a YouTube series called Marvel What the it was it was published on Marvel's official YouTube account. It was like stop motion animation using using action figures, and the main character of that was Modok, and I thought he was hilarious. And I'm just like, Modok is just a funny character. You know, he's a dumb funny character. There's, but he's smart. There's no way you can walk but around. He's but he's smart. He's really smart. But he's but he's like he's dumb. And the way he looks is dumb. And everyone was like, they should have made him like the Modoc in the Avengers game. I would have been so mad if they made him like the Modoc in the I hate that Modoc. So that may, that's maybe a hot take, but I hate it. Have you seen him where he's like I he like his proportions are like I don't know. Uh and it's like the suit and it's like it's supposed to be a sort of like body horror like it's it's a scary thing that he's becoming modok you know his head gets bigger and bigger throughout the game 
and it's like it's he's all he's, he's all sickly and gross and i'm just well, like modok should just be like he is he you know is. he just exists yeah in the world because because you know, he's just a silly head because his origin is just like yeah they they did some experiments on uh george tarleton i think that was his original yeah name. and mm-hmm. and then his head just got big that was it you know it wasn't like some slow like kafka-esque metamorphosis into like the to what he is and i'm just like you don't need to make modok scary you know he's he's just a gross funny guy with a big head he can be imposing he can be imposing while also be and i and i think they did a good job with that actually by making him like this hunter character and i actually you know i wasn't warm to the mask at first but i actually liked it i think it i think it works uh for him to wear that mask because it makes sense he's like this big bulging head why would that like why would the top of his head be exposed for fighting you know Right. It, it would make sense for him to have like a battle mask and th- that mask looks like his face from the comics you know so that yeah so it kind of worked for me you know uh but i understand why people wouldn't love it i'm just like there's just a thing with modok where it's just like there's just this struggle of people wanting it to be too silly or too serious you know like and no one was gonna win with this i feel like nobody no nobody like nobody was gonna win so i was happy with him i i think Corey stole did a great um performance as modok just because like he's not like everyone wanted like jim carrey to be modok or something like that you know this really extravagant but like i kind of liked how like normal modok was you know what i mean well like yeah like when like a guy like when scott was to like uh but by the way this is going to be spoilers for quantum mania it's, yeah. it's been a couple weeks coming out um when, when scott was like when he was you know when he was trying to steal the thing and he was like trying to uh radio modok and he was like saying darren Darren, Darren and he's Darren. like Modok and, Mo- and Modok. Modok just goes yeah or he goes what <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah what he's just a normal guy as he's if nothing had guy. happened and like oh I I thought his death scene was so funny because I it was like it was gross we kept like spitting up bile and stuff like that I'm just like yeah that's so funny that he's make like this gross Scott guy, like, you're a brother to me <laughs> yeah there's like a brother to me and he's like I'm glad I could finally die in adventure I thought that was so funny and, and Paul how Paul Rudd just plays off that like I bet that yeah you're I, in I bet that yeah. was totally improv he's like yeah man you're in, you're in. <laughs> that <was so> good. <laughs> that's like I think that's my favorite joke in the movie when he just goes you're in you know like. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes a lot has happened today like staring at this gross <laughs> dead like floating head <laughs> and i'm like only in a marvel movie only in a marvel movie happen. okay so we go we went we, we we had a little modok talk but let's talk about the movie itself i listen i get why people are are hate this movie um i think there's a you know i i will be one of the first i think this and thor and love and thunder are the two like cheapest movies when it comes to visual effects and I, I hate to say that because i saw that with all the visual effects artists you know and i saw them yeah. like applauding all the names and i'm like i can tell a lot of hard work went into this i think just the key problem with those two movies is the volume man you know yeah why it's it's the thing they're vis- like productions today have to reteach themselves how to sh- like shoot actors and light them against a basically a matte painting you know, because mm-hmm. blockbusters have been so used to just doing green screen and they know just like or practical, just practical or green screen. We're just like, all right, you know, we can just get this light that we can easily manipulate in post, you know, um, and then it's just a green background. But when you have the volume, like you're, the depth's already there. So you have to light it correctly to create shadow mm-hmm. when otherwise it's flat. It looks flat and, and it's a screen. So there's no shadow behind them, you know. 
so I think like one of the like I think the worst looking scene in this movie was when um it was Hope, Hank, and Janet when they were trying to like when she was first when they were trying to get a ride. Remember they're out yeah. in like, that desert? When they're in the desert, yeah. Oh my god, that looked horrible. And I was like I was so <laughs> depressed. I was like, damn, this like I'm loving this movie, but like just I there's just a part of me where I can't like be fully invested because all I all I see are just like actors just clipped into like a scene like into like a background just like this looks like someone just did this in after effects you know and i I feel horrible saying that because you know i i I know so many people put some hard work in it and they and i know like the crunch was the worst for like the past the probably the the, like the past Past year since covid the like crunch for visual effects on marvel movies have been just hot like horrible you know and i feel so bad that like you know, that so many visual effects artists had to, like, go away, like, lose time that they could spend with their families and loved ones, you know, or actually have a life to put out something that looks like this, you know, where if they were given more time, it could have looked better and they could have had more of a life and get paid better, you know? I don't think it helps that Avatar came out two months ago. Dude, I know! I was, like, I was was watching the scene when, uh, the second time I saw it, when they're flying on that thing and it, like, goes on the water and I'm, like, Dude, I just saw Avatar like a few weeks ago, and it's just like it's so much better than this. I'm so pissed, yeah. you know, because I'm like it's Ant Man. It's like it should be the same quality. It was but, the same people, like it's the same studio. Why didn't you do this? I don't. But then again, Avatar had like 15 years, 13, 13 years, years yeah. to perfect everything. Yeah. So like that's like that's a bit unreasonable. And probably like <laughs> they started the VFX for Avatar in like 2017 before COVID. Yeah, and then they had COVID to work on it because they had more time. And I'm sure James Cameron is like a perfectionist. Oh yeah. And as much as like we, it's a charged word in the industry, a pixel fucker. Like I'm sure he is. <laughs> oh, I bet. But, but I don't know, man. I just think he has a vision that doesn't change. Whereas with the Marvel universe, they have many different VFX houses, many different creatives behind it. They'll change something last minute. Yeah. And they were known for doing this, and we thought it was really cool. I remember. I I think I everybody thought it was really cool that the first Avengers movie, mm-hmm. they were they didn't turn in the finished product till the day of, yes, or they didn't they didn't they the shot the post credit scene. They shot yeah, that after, after the premiere, and we were like, oh man, right. that's so cool. And we always we always like were like uh, when it was leading up to Endgame, we're like, oh nobody like nobody knows that even post how this movie's gonna finally happen, you know? Because there's so many yeah. they filmed so many like takes and alternate, and they they made all the VFX workers like put it all together, and then at the very last second they chose the cut that they wanted you know and right we're like oh that's cool but now it's just but now like, we're like i was just like okay now they're just like they're they're on the fly like completely change like i've you know i have i have a friend at work too i have a couple of friends that work at marvel and just like the stories that i've heard were just like yeah we like um we're, we made an action sequence take place in this area and then they came in and said we want to actually be in a completely different area and it like the the scene wasn't lit for that kind of area you know um because that that's a big you know that's a big thing and it's just like it's just a bunch of unreasonable requests because because of you know test screenings you know that's like that's i think we need to get rid of test screenings too that is just like for big movies for big movies for big movies i i think for small movies test screenings make sense because they need to like figure out how to market it you know it's it's all for mm-hmm. mar- it's not for like 
changing the product after like that, that's not what tet screening should be this should be like okay here's how the people feel about this movie how can we like take that and make it so we can sell it to like people who who in this test screening liked it you know so we can make money off from those people you know mm-hmm. that's what test screening should be not not that oh they didn't like the final act let's just let's rework it in post you know um right no that's not how it should go and i don't know but okay that honestly the visual effects and a, just like a few things of writing were my only complaints with ant-man and the wasp quantumania um i i found this film to be um such a good development uh for scott lane against his trilogy you know where it's just like he starts out as an underdog and then he he ramps up more uh in like in stakes and scale into becoming an avenger saving the world you know and he has to be sort of reminded that he's the little guy you know where mm-hmm. because i i my one of my favorite uh sort of narrative threads is between him and Cassie where Cassie's like you were like you were Ant-Man you saved the world but now you're just like signing books for a living you know you're just living mm-hmm. off he's just living he off got too success. comfortable he got way too yeah he w- way too comfortable you know and um it's just it's a good it's a nice reminder and it's it's paired with like such a good um political um thread of you know uh people who are displaced, you know, because they talk about people displaced after the blip, and you know, Cassie was arrested in the beginning of the movie because she was protesting and she used her powers and then drink cop car. The quantum people, and then it's yeah, it's all about imperialism, you know, and she really need, wants to help people. And Scotland's like, it's not our fight, and she's like, why? Like that's such a privileged thing to say for you to not be your fight. If you have the ability to make change, you should, you know. And he does because he's Ant Man. You know, he saved the world, like he says a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, that, that was such a cool thing that they paired. They adapted one of my favorite classic Ant-Man storylines from the Hank Pym era, where um, Ant-Man and the Wasp are captured by the living eraser. He's this dude who, like, he, he swings his... He kind of actually looks like Kang, but he's he has a green face and he wears purple um he like he swings his hand and it's almost like you know he erases people like like the artist just like started erasing the character and that was like his <laughs> that was like his power it was actually the first appearance of giant man um was that comic but anyways the living eraser kidnaps uh hank pym and janet van dyne and take them to s- sort of like the quantum realm uh it's dimension z you know it's another dimension and mm-hmm. they're imprisoned and sort of uh you know hank and janet have to like uh, create an uprising to overthrow the living eraser and escape dimension z and i was just like that's when i knew like that i know Peyton reed's an ant-man fan but that's when i was like okay this guy gets it because that's what he was doing mm-hmm. the quantum realm you know and i can tell he's also very uh you know he's a fan of pulp uh comics and and film because science fiction science fiction because yeah. dude that the quantum realm that that that's just like flash gordon like if you've seen the flash gordon movie like the backgrounds look the exact same um they like the world design is very similar you know of course the flash gordon movie from i think it was like the 80s or 70s that is very dated you know um but it's the same thing scott lang is flash gordon kang the conqueror is ming uh the merciful merciful or merciless i don't fucking remember his name uh what that whatever racist character what's his name played 
Who played Ming? It was uh I don't know. Who who okay, who is the guy who dies in Knives Out at the beginning? Who creates the board games? Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer plays Ming the Merciless and he's like Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like yellow face and I'm just like, what the hell? Or maybe it's not Christopher Plummer. Who's the who's the other guy who looks like Christopher Plummer? The Swedish guy, Seventh Seal. Oh, uh, Max von Sydow. Yeah, it's one of those. I think it's Max von Sydow. Sorry, I always get those two guys confused. They look the same. Still fucked up. Still fucked up. Yeah, because he's like a Swedish guy playing it like this clearly uh, Chinese stereotype. Anyways, that's getting the conqueror. It's like it's the exact same thing. Where and I can tell he's getting that because like there's like there's the more like warrior-like people in the quantum realm then there's the very super science fiction alien-like people you know and then there's like the weird blob like amoeba like people that you'd see like if you like zoomed in on like amoebas you know in a microscope mm-hmm. um i just thought it was a really cool hodgepodge of a universe i love the scenes where it's just like uh but you just get to see the world building like the that the cantina mm-hmm. scene was super cool uh yeah the practical costumes were awesome um the buildings that can move were so cool i loved it what were some more things that you love before we get into more of your complaints? Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to get into Kang because we can save him for last. Because yeah. I feel like everybody coming out of this movie talks about Kang and Jonathan Majors. But uh, I actually, okay. It, I will tie the visuals to their pot, the positive and the negative. Because I will say. And I say it in my review, not in its uniqueness or any, in its only its uniqueness that it is beautiful visually, because it does remind me of something like Strange World from Disney that came out recently, where it is this very living world that is very unknown and strange and almost Lovecraftian in its appearance and look and how it operates. But I think, like you said, visually, it struggled to convey that because it was very flat like it did feel like they were on a soundstage with like a, a screen the whole time yeah pretty much but i mean i i love the visuals of this movie and like what it's what you see because it is so different from all the other marvel movies like the only like the only ones that i can think of that match it are like the doctor strange movies in terms of their uniqueness and oddness in their visuals you know yeah because it is very surrealistic, almost like a Buñuel product, and I'm I'm sorry to compare a Marvel movie to a Buñuel product. What the hell? Let me go on my. Yeah. <laughs> this shit isn't Ke- yeah. this isn't Kino. Damn man, lost some car man. Kino. What are you talking about? Who cares? But it's like man? it is. But it but it also like it also plays echoes of those like fifty serials, like when B sci-fi, and yeah. I think it honestly is trying to play into B science fiction with its tone and Absolutely. stuff like that. I just think the problem is. Yeah. is it's got this jarring connection to a very serious ongoing thread that the MCU is trying to, which is an incursions and a multiversal destruction. And that doesn't match well with like campy um, army group. Yeah. That is, uh, that is like making quips all the time that takes itself too seriously, but the audience knows it. And like a Modoc as a character, if we're going to play him not so serious. And yeah. then you have, this, then you have Scott Lang and all of the people on, in their ant family that are quipping the whole time. So it's like it's this lightness juxtaposed against the like grimmest side of the MCU that we've seen outside of Infinity War yeah. and Endgame. And, and it's just like that disjarring with the visuals is just so hard to appreciate mm-hmm. that the B-ness of the plot is not enjoyable for a lot of people. But for me, I I was able to put that away, although let me say... 
we're gonna get into it when we get to my complaints but yeah. the first act like had me checked out really i'll go i'll get into it later but i mean i love the visual flair i gotta say i, I love the design it really shuts down people who say oh they're all gray movies i'm like are they they're not trying to be Mm-mm. i think they're trying not to be i think the color correction let it breathe more but it's not yeah. a dc movie no where it's just all gray all the time or like tinted to be more realistic yeah i i just think i i I totally there is there's a clash going on and it it didn't bother me um but i'm you know there's a scene where kang basically explains everything that he who remains explains in that last episode of loki i'm like i'm like oh okay we have we have to get the scene again because you can't expect People everyone watch to watch Loki, Loki yeah. you know, on Disney Plus. You can't expect everyone to own a Disney Plus subscription, you know, and to watch that show specifically. So I'm like, okay, I get it, but it's just like, it. I I can tell that there was, there is a a very much a distinction between, you know, uh, Kang's goals in this film, and uh, the world building, you know, mm-hmm. and, um. I like I said I didn't mind it because I thought because I already I love King the Conqueror already and I love you know I love that whole world um, and I love the Ant Man world so I'm like okay I'll, I'll just take two of these things together you know but I can tell I can understand why that would be a problem for people you know yeah um, mm-hmm. I think I mean it, but it's interesting a, that you said that yeah. the first half is because I've been hearing the opposite I'm I've been hearing people have been saying they love the first half and then they're lost in the second. And it just becomes noisy, you know, it just becomes big, loud and noisy and they just, they check out, you know? Yeah, I checked out of the first half, mostly because of the writing. I felt like it was so on the nose, plot hole heavy. I thought the quips didn't hit. Like the only, like I love the opening. Like when when they're, like when the, they're not in the quantum realm. Is that what you mean? Yeah, when they're not in the quantum realm. Yeah, yeah. that was when they're When it's like, they're you're seeing what they've been up to since Endgame, and you can see how they've evolved as characters although i wish we got more of that yeah uh i think it kind of rushed to the quantum realm I, yeah i do too um but i think that opening is good but then once it gets into them in the quantum realm and there's these secrets and there's this obvious setup for the ants coming back later mm-hmm. and I feel like Janet. I I love this the Janet flashbacks in oh, the first were, act. But some of my favorite but parts. She just of the kept, movie. yeah. But she kept going. Okay, don't. We won't get into that right now. We won't get into that. And I'm like, okay. And then it's getting repetitive at points. And then I felt the Rick and Mortyness of it. And then once <laughs> it got to the drink the ooze scene. Yeah. And Bill Murray. Uh, as Krylar, mm-hmm. I like that stuff. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, it's winning me over a little bit, but it just took a while to get there, like a half hour. Yeah, and that first, I hated the writing. I was like, it's so exposition heavy. It's so, it's it says it. It feels like it's trying to be too clever for what it is, and that is like some of the fault of a Rick and Morty writer. Yeah. I love Rick and Morty, but like they are. It, that tone works for that show. It doesn't work for a Marvel movie. Yeah. And I think the writer who wrote Doctor Strange and uh, Loki, mm-hmm. who worked, I think he kind of found his own tone. And I don't understand why people have a problem with his writing in those movies. Yeah. Did he write this one too? Uh, in shows? No. No. It was a different okay. one. Okay. So, and he's writing King Dynasty. 
The guy who wrote um, this one is Ryan King Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. And I was like, okay, so like this guy's like he's playing into the B level and this guy I think he's he's found his own tone that matches Marcus and McFeely yeah. from the phase three. And I was like, it's just like I don't know how I feel about this in terms of like how it's written. And then once it gets to that drink the ooze, I was like, that's very enjoyable. B sci-fi. Yeah. I love that. I love the cheese of Zeb, the guy with no holes. Yeah. And um Quasar. Uh Quas. Quas. Quasar. Yeah. Uh, who play, who's played by Chidi from The Good Place. Right. Uh yeah, I love I love that that humor, you know. It was good. Um but it does feel a bit random. But it did feel like Star Wars. It felt like Return of the Jedi a lot. Not gonna lie. No, you're right. It, and, it feels a lot. Sadly, it felt a lot like Rise of Skywalker in the end there too. But that's but, but, but better. That's how I felt it about. felt it, but be- it was like better than. But better. We're gonna say <laughs> it was better. better than Rise of Skywalker. Um, but but that's what I'm saying though. It's like that first third of Return of the Jedi. I do not like. Really? it's well documented oh. i hate i hate the first i love third. the first I hate, that's my it favorite it takes too long it's my favorite third of the movie it it takes too long to get to the part mm-hmm. the middle third is okay and then the last third i really like outside of one thing yeah which is true for both films oh yeah um so well, there's one thing i hate it, about let's the get third into that act. one thing tell me what okay is it? i i hate that they don't get trapped in the quantum room at the end you know i could tell uh that that's what they were originally going to do. I absolutely knew that. And, and then they don't do it. It felt tacked on. It, it felt so tacked. Well, they, I heard that there was reshoots. Um, there's re, um, there was like leaked sets photos of like, they're reshooting. Like I thought they were reshooting the beginning because it's like, it's Paul Rudd walking outside. And I'm and then I realized, I'm like, no, this is, they, they, they shot the end. This is the ending that they just shot like a few weeks before the movie. So I have a feeling that like, they originally had, you know, Scott and Hope trapped in the quantum realm. And then they're like, no, we can't do that. We got to have it be a happy ending. So they tacked on that. They go back and have that birthday cake dinner, you know. I have a thought. Yeah. That they didn't want to kill anybody. Yeah. And that they thought it would be too similar if the next time he appears is in Kang Dynasty or... It is secret wars, it would have been and similar he comes to, out of the quantum realm again to save the world. Yeah, it would have been the same ending as Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I don't know. They should have just stuck with their guns, I think. I think it could have been cool, you know? Um, it's just like, I, it builds the stakes and there's consequences, and yeah. if the, it cuts off, you think, the threat, right? But then it gives them something to do in the meantime that would build their character, because... Honestly, I, I feel like Hope and Hank were wasted in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like Cassie's development, mainly because I don't like how Peyton redirected Catherine Newton. Oh, yeah. I think I I loved Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet, and I love Scott Lang, yeah. obviously. It was, they, it was like they were Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, Scott and Hope. Technically. It was Scott and Janet were Ant-Man. Like they were the title Ant Man and the Wasp in this movie, and I'm just like, which it, that sucks because I I want to see more of Hope, you know? Yeah, but also like, what development has happened to her character in this movie? Nothing. Like, I mean, she maybe went on no Jersey. Maybe they maybe that was intentional after all the COVID stuff that Evangeline Lilly said. So. Oh yeah, but then <laughs> they make Letitia Wright the 
Or, well, that, yeah, that, that was there. after they shot Black Panther, remember? They shot yeah. Black Panther, then she said that stuff, they're like, oh, fuck. And maybe that's why they yeah. added little T'Challa at the end. They're like, uh, we're just going to skip to him now. We're just going to go back to T'Challa. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, but I just, I hated that choice because it undercut the the powerful sacrifice that Paul Rudd made. Yeah. Which was. The, where we both just have to lose. And I'm just like, yeah, oh, it's so cool. Like, even if it was. Yeah. Like, and even if like even if they decide to kill one of the characters i mean you said it yourself you thought scott was gonna die i was yeah because like so they gotta lose something you know because every trillion and they lost nothing they lost they lost nothing <laughs> they lost no you know who they lost they lost modok that's what what they he lost scotling lost his brother he lost his brother darren in this movie he lost <laughs> and Mod- they lost the guy who was the son the sun face cree i don't know what he was but... oh yeah yeah, but th- those were the only two characters of importance that uh, died. And it was so sad. I cried so And none of them were as crushing as Anthony from the first Ant-Man film. Honestly, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> you're not wrong at all. That was crushing. Um, but yeah. Okay, I want to I talk about one of my least favorite parts of the movie, which was the first post credit scene. Oh <sighs> my god. I know it's a recreation of a comic panel. I know. I, I know it yeah, is. Yeah, it's literally a recreation of a panel. Okay, so the, the post credit scene, you've seen the movie. The Council of Kings. They introduce the Council of Kings. Jesus Christ. They introduce uh, Ramatut, uh, Immortus, uh, and I guess that's this. The Scarlet Centurion? But I guess that's. Or Prime came Prime? One of the two? One of those guys. I, I think it's Scarlet Centurion, but maybe they, like, they don't want him to be like Scarlet. They just want him to be. So that so it's silver. not it's not like Scarlet Witch or anything like that. That's you know? the Silver Surfer. The like Silver Centurion. I don't know, but it, I don't know because he, yeah. he goes up. Because he goes. It's Vision. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just like, it. It was just so goofy. It like not in a good way, you know, because we're we've established Kang as this like real this character holds a great amount of gravitas you know as we see in he who remains in loki you know really formidable and then we see kang and quantumanium i'm like oh this is, like i can't wait to meet their variants and then he's like they're just wearing really Makeup. really dumb outfits i'm sorry like they look like like he's sorry. wearing they look like sly stallone in it's spy uh, kids spy kids 3d harrison friend of the show he made a joke um on twitter that looked like that yeah because like he looked like he was wearing a party city like pharaoh outfit and i'm like okay i, I get it like that's that is a hard thing to adapt you know um but then amortis like what is he doing in that it's just a, that he's just a blue dumb, face and he's like doing this really dumb accent he's like <gasps> he's sort of he's doing his um uh who's that guy from rogue one uh, got it. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord, no. Uh, Force Whitaker's For, I know, Force Whitaker's character. I forgot his character. Saw Guerrera. Saw Guerrera, yeah. it. you know. We must not yeah. let them find the multiverse or something like that. And then <laughs> yeah. I was like, why are we like... I'm just like, I was just confused how they directed the scene two of showing all the Kangs. Like, what were they doing? They were just like, they're like jumping around. They're like, yeah, yeah. Or, and like, why are they screaming? Like, why are they cheering? They sh- why are they cheering? I-, I wish they were just all like, you know, like, like, because the Council of Kangs, like, it's supposed to be like a meaning of like the smartest minds, the smartest minds. You know, it's supposed to be like, like 
you know, Greek philosophers coming together, you know, where they come into this big Coliseum. Not a stadium and they're, they're all gladiators. just, like, all menacing, like, mm-hmm. But they're not just, like, yeah! Like, the, like I saw Kang, he's, like, jumping up like a baby. He's, like, yeah! I'm just, like, what is happening? I also hated, like, after the three were talking and were staring at the, I'm assuming from the Citadel of Time at the end of Loki. Oh, yeah. I think that's, like, the remnants of that yeah. building. They're standing there. And they're all like, they're all getting up, and it's obviously a shot on the volume. You're on the green screen, and they're sweating because they're all Jonathan Majors. Yeah. And they're all doing things like turning around, standing up. It's like so cringeworthy and bad. Yeah. And like the screaming monkey king. And I'm like, what is Jonathan Majors doing? How is he directed on this? Like, just go crazy, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just like it left a sour yeah. taste in my mouth because I, I was like, the ending of the movie wasn't for me, but this post credit scene better be a very good setup for the future. And it just was like, oh, it feels like the first Avengers with Thanos, except less menacing. And I'm like, hopefully it is just like that, because Thanos was a lot different than when we first saw yeah. the Avengers. So, Right. But also it's like they have less time. Yeah. You know, there was like six or seven years between that and <laughs> that. There's just and two. then also there's two. And also they've already... They've got plans, I'm sure. Yeah. And Jonathan Majors is probably booked doing stuff with them. But also, I a lot of people, and I've been seeing this a lot, have been criticizing the decision to put Kang in this movie at all. And they're saying, why is he in this movie? By Ant-Man beating him, it's like, it's like he's the smallest hero and he just and defeated Kang. No. And I'm like, that's not the point because... He, it felt like he beat him by accident yeah and or by by like luck because he was gonna get his ass beaten to handed to him and only that it took an army of ants and super smart modok you know and modok yeah and it was like the whole quantum he, he realm just wouldn't die against him you know and he couldn't he just wouldn't fucking die yeah and he's like an ant in that respect and who's to say cockroach. he's dead i don't think he's dead i know he's not dead i don't either it's called the king dynasty he's not dead I think. I mean, it could be those other kings. I think the next movie open, or they're gonna do an Avengers: Age of Ultron thing, where at the end of Guardians there was that post-credit scene with Baron von Strucker and the twins, and it was goofy, but it was like, yeah, I can't wait to see. Yeah. And then in the Avengers: Age of Ultron, fucking dead immediately. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> and, and I think Kang Dynasty begins with all those kings that we see in that post-credit scene, just dead, just dead. King Prime's there or something, yeah. or not he the, be- the Beyonder or something like that, you know? Or it's gonna be like. All of those kings are, it's just, it's not that there's one king, it's that there's many. And that's stupid, because it could lead to cheesiness, but it's also like, they just keep coming no matter what you do. But like, Um, the thing is, is that the Council of Kings, they were never like, a threat in the comics, you know? It was always just- No, they were for the good of the universe. Yeah, it was for the good of the universe, and it was always, they just, like, one, there was always like one bad king, you know? who would, like, that's who the Avengers would fight, and that's who'd be a formidable threat. So it's not like the Avengers have to take on all of these kings, you know? Um, right. They're sort of they're, they're sort of a neutral force, you know, the Council of Kings. And I I hope they keep it that way, you know? I don't want to see... I don't want to see the Avengers fight, like, a just cannon fodder of Jonathan Majors, kings. you know? Yeah. That'd be so like, lame. I, I, but also this movie sort of played into, like, the same tropes that we saw in early Phase 1. Yeah. Or phase two with like the no-faced armies oh yeah like those uh, king android so, guys 
right yeah. going against each other and the reason why endgame and infinity were, were were so good was because you got a feel for all the characters and heroes that were involved because they had been built up right and the villain had been built up and it felt less like oh this is just like no we have developed secondary villains and a primary villain that you're going to care about and we're going to have minions but they're not going to be the focus yeah like they were for like the avengers with the chitari yeah but that kind of was what the third act felt like, but I didn't mind it because I was invested in Scott's journey, even if that journey was a small personal one. Yeah. Ironically. <laughs> um, but that second post credit scene that before was, we get into Kang. That was great. I like that one. It's a, lot. a clip. It's definitely it's, it, like Yeah, it's like the it's like the last post credit scene of the first Ant Man, where it's just like that was a clip from Civil War, but this is a clip from Loki. And I'm just like, that made me season two. really excited. Because yeah. Victor Timely, I think he's probably my second favorite variant of King behind of yeah. course King himself, because it's like, it's like, it's such a genius thing for King to go back in time and sort of like create this, uh, this industrial revolution that sort of spawns all the superheroes that we know, you know, like well, it wouldn't be for Victor. T- we wouldn't have like Reed Richards, Tony Stark or anything like that. If it wasn't for Victor timely and the things that he did, you know, in the 1800s, it's so cool. Do you think, the universe that Loki's in and the universe that the mainline MCU is taking uh, taking place in are the two universes that are going to be the incursion of Secret Wars or uh, uh, Kang Dynasty? Or do you think it's going to be like a bunch of different incursions it's, on it's gonna like be the Fox bunch. and Sony-verse? That's, that's like, what I don't be. know what it's setting up. I, that's, it's the, th- the problem is, is they're setting up so much that I have no idea where they're going, but... They know where they're going, but that's going to make it really hard to watch each of these individually as a movie. Yeah. Because how do you like, how do you establish that this movie is coming? That's why I'm like kind of pissed. Yeah. That they revealed that it's Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Oh, because we didn't know it was going to be Infinity War, you know? Yeah. Or Endgame. Or Endgame. We just assumed until like the year before, year before that. When the trailer dropped. That was what it was going to be. That's what it was going to be Endgame. Right. And they weren't really, like, beat-for-beat adaptations. Like, I'm sure this isn't going to be, but, like, ah, I'm just worried. People are saying that the Secret Wars might, like, the main two characters might be Tobin Maguire and Hugh Jackman. That's weird. That is weird, but it's also, like, I don't know. That's, like, or that's sort of, like, an endgame of of marvel as a whole being adapted to film so that kind of makes sense you know if that's the last two times if that's the last time we ever see toby mcguire and hugh jackman as those characters that'd be kind of cool it's just a full circle moment i guess because you've got i guess the only characters that are not uh, even rumored to be in the mcu at this point uh, (laughs) are like josh trank's fantastic four characters (laughs) yeah josh trank's fantastic four and blade why wesley snipes blade oh and yeah. maybe nick cage's ghostwriter but he might even be in that i don't that even would know be sick. but even eric banna's hulk is and i'm why, like what are we do doing here why do people want that why do people want these that movie sucked why do people want these movies to cross over i'm like I, i'm down for like the fox early 2000s fox x-men yeah sure it's spider-man do it sony's a whore you know they'll do yeah. it They'll do but it, why they'll like do whatever they can box fantastic four with even gruffalo and guffold or yeah Chris why do they want him or, back I don't, I don't know michael chiklis just galva <laughs> <laughs> but anyway 
Kang. Kang. We got to get into him. Okay. And he's kind of the anchor for this movie. Yeah. I uh, I loved him. I I thought Jonathan Majors brought a great balance of menace and heart to his character. And I thought what they were building with his belief in the multiverse, while similar to Loki and he who remains his thing at the end, yeah, was a compelling thing for even though they didn't play with it enough i think was a very compelling angle to put uh scott lang at odds with him as over yeah it is a mess because it's like how does everybody know what's going on you know it's like all the interactions happen off screen but he's so terrific and menacing his future tech he yells and screams but he's also like just when he's talking to janet yeah. Uh, in those flashback sequences when he they're trying to put together this H.G. Wells-esque time machine, which I've always loved about Kang. Yeah. Like, whether his it's in the comics chair. or... So cool. His time chair. It's not even like a vehicle. It's just a chair. And... Uh, it, sometimes it's even just like a beanbag. It's like an invisible yeah. beanbag. I love... I like when he first appeared like, in the Avengers comics. Uh, he's just like... He's just like lounging on like this invisible like little jellyfish beanbag. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I mean, it's the same chair from Loki, I think, at the end, the in the elevator. Oh, yeah. When they opened, I think it is. I haven't gone back and rewatched it, but um, I really I really dug that. Uh, and his the way he was portrayed uh, in the movie was just, I thought, perfect. And I think a lot of people are overreacting with, um, with him being dead and stuff like that and him not being as like believable as a villain because ant-man beat him i think he was the perfect character to have as the as like the capper to this ant-man trilogy because ant-man the ant-man films have always been about lost time you know scott loses time in the beginning because he has to go to jail so he loses time with his daughter then in ant-man the wasp he loses more time because he's under house arrest you know, and it's always a race against the clock. He's always has, they always have to race against time to get Janet to escape the cops to escape uh, the people who want their tech. Uh, and then, of course, at Endgame, he he misses more time with his daughter because he was trapped in the quantum realm. So it's Scott has always been burdened with this lost time that he has to be in, like to be a father or to be like you know just a normal person. And finally, he meets this guy who's like. I can give you all that time back, you know, and same with Janet because she was trapped in the quantum realm and that's why they work together. He's like, I could take you right back to when you left, you know, when you left hope to go on that mission, I could take you right back to that moment. You can walk right through those doors, you know? And it's just like, that's what you needed to wrap up this whole thematic strand of these three movies is these characters are, you know, they're burdened with lost time. And finally, they have they have a way to get that time back, but they have to do bad things to do it, you know. Um, and I'm just like, that's why Kang was so great. It had to be like a a time traveler for for the third movie. And like, I think Jonathan Majors was so good. His best scenes are the scenes when he was with Janet, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Those two were just a powerhouse. Those those like so good. The best acted scenes were when it, when it was just those two. It talking. didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter that there was like a lack of environment because she was like outside of civilization. Yeah. it was just them talking. Yeah, and everybody was like, "Oh, she touched the neural core. That's so stupid." Like, of course, that's the thing. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, that is like intrinsic to the Avengers with the Soul Stone and like w- Wanda seeing Ultron's plans of destruction and there's always a neural link between these things yes 
It just makes sense. It just made sense. I thought it worked. Uh, yeah. And Kang as that devastating figure, I I love that. It sets him up as like a big bad, and we see him like erase people, like you said in this movie. Yeah. I think. I think this movie is gonna get Age of Ultron, where it's like people don't like it when it comes out, you know. But if mm-hmm. Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars do turn out to be incredible, you know, on like Infinity War and Endgame level, people are gonna go back to Quantum Mania and they're gonna be like, you know, I think we, I think we judge this a bit too harshly, you know, because if the plan follows through that they have for this multiverse saga, you know. People are going to start seeing this like, oh shit, wait, no, there's a lot more depth here than we what we assumed, you know? See, a lot of these Phase 4 products say what you will about the visual style, and I hate to call them products, cause, but in actuality, that's what most blockbuster movies are. Yeah. Um, But when I look back at Phase 4 and now this, this first entry in Phase 5, most, if not all, of the projects outside of the visuals has improved upon my estimation the only one that hasn't is thor love and thunder which has gotten worse in my regard yeah everything else has either stayed pat at where it is like a three or four or four and a half no fives i don't think yeah but like all of that has stayed where it is except for thor love and thunder and rise of skywalker which personally for me have gotten worse but even upon thinking about it for this review mm-hmm. i was thinking am i in the lost quantum mania there are things that I absolutely despise about the movie. Yeah. Make no mistake. Like I told you, like the humor and writing in the first act almost had me checked out of the movie entirely. Yeah. Which is crazy. But I think there is enough there that when you think about it and when you talk about it with other people, there's something. It's just whether or not you like the humor or writing is it's going to vary person to person. And yeah. I, that's unfortunate. But I think the overall art that the story is going for is good. It's just hard to analyze or review something when it's not over. They're they're not being as safe as with the, their choice of writers anymore. I feel like in the beginning they ha- they they were very safe with like what characters said and the jokes that they told. Like it was very mm-hmm. very normy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But but now in these newer movies, like some of the right, they're getting a lot more uh writers that you know like they're they're not for everybody you know yeah um and i just think that's i get that i think that's a thing that just people who follow the mcu mcu fans they just have to accept that like people are not gonna like everything now you know like we did because it's it's no longer novel you know uh back Mm -hmm. in the first three phases like leading up to this was like everybody was on board because it was new and different you know but now that we're like doing it again, I think Marvel is realizing that like you don't have to watch everything, you know. You don't have to. You, you can you can now just pick and choose the things that you want to watch and the things that speak to you. And I think MCU fans are getting highly protective over that, you know. Where, I think they're just they're like, no, you can everything. Watch everything. So... Like what's yeah. going on? I'm like, if you know our friend, um, you know J- Joey? Joey, he doesn't watch any of the shows, you know. And, I mean. I don't think any of our friends outside of the two of us really care about the MCU anymore all that much, you know? Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. You know? But, like, there's so many MCU fans and, like, people on the internet who are just, like, so intense about, like, 
caring of people's enjoyment of these. And there's people on the opposite side too, who are like, so they're they're so intense. If you do like this stuff, you know, yeah, and just like I'm like I'm just vibing. I'm man. just like, dude, I'm just gonna watch these movies because it's because it's my show, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this is everyone. Everyone has their show that they just like. They keep up every week, and sometimes that show sucks. Sometimes it's good, but in the end, it's still like just it's just that show that you always it's have your show. There. And I'm just like, yeah. MCU is my show. You know, I like it. I mean, it's weird because you say this homogenous product homogenous is what i would say is like early everything except for the guardians movies feels very homogenous yeah but every phase four and five project has like you said felt like its own thing like wandavision is no closer to loki than it is to like shang chi or black widow oh yeah and it's like it every product in or show or movie anything feels different yeah, She-Hulk and that's, is like nothing. And, like, I mean, I, I liked Eternals a lot, but Ethan it was kind of mixed on it. I just I find it really bland, you know. And that's I think the and that's okay if people yeah. love it. And that's okay if people don't, you know. It's fine. The only movie I feel like and show that everybody's disliked is Thor: The Thor: Brett, Love and Thunder. I feel like, but I know people who like that too. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, but it's a. It's leaning in the negative it's, direction. I, I think it's a mostly admit. negative experience. And like, yes. oh, that was such a disappointing movie because I was so excited. Because the arcs, I'm, I love the, it was one of my most, it was the, my most anticipated movie last year because of the arcs yeah. that it's telling the story of from the comics. And, and I'm, I'm a I huge Taika the, fan too. And I'm just like, he phoned yeah. it in. He totally phoned it in. And it felt like a baby movie. Uh, but that's the thing. And that's my other thing about these Marvel movies I like them. Yeah. But I will admit, it seems to be that they're skewing towards they're the younger family. They're comic book. These, were, these characters were made for children. I, that's just something we gotta it's, accept. We gotta accept these characters are, were made for children. These are family movies. They never won't be. Except for Deadpool 3, because that's gonna be rated R. But it, that that is just something you have to accept, you know? That I know. I'm like, these are fan- and that's it's okay to enjoy them, you know? I know. It's just, they've evolved from when they started out if you look at the first phase, yeah, they feel like very edgy in comparison. If, if, until once it got to like, I would say like once it got to like Spider Man. Mm, no, once it got to phase three, it got less edgy and more safe. And not, I think they paid off for the last two films, yeah. but all of the phase two and phase one products feel very like Iron Man like has sex ptsd that's crazy alcoholism crazy right um you know captain america's going through some stuff and the only one that feels outright childish in that phase to me is like maybe thor 2 yeah and then it and then it and then phase three is like it feels more like everybody can watch this thing except for like the last two avengers movies and then phase four has not has felt more like, oh, this is fun for the whole family, which is weird because it's just a it's a leap I have to make as like a viewer. Yeah. A spectator. I think I think they need just need to look at that first Guardians movie I as like a blueprint for how to translate fa- like family friendly content that also has like a depth of emotion for older audiences to connect with you know because i feel mm-hmm. i feel like that was the first instance of movies like oh they're being very family friendly now but there's also like there's so much insane like 
depth in that movie about abuse and survivors, you know, and found family that like kids aren't going to pick up on, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but I like the, the more I watch those movies, the more I love them, you know? And I think, Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like they need to continue with, with sort of that sort of pro it's kind it kind of reminds me of Pixar. If you think about it, you know, I -hmm. I think Pixar, well, movies for everyone. I I think Pixar is sort of a gold standard for family friendly content where it's just like, there's stuff for kids. There's also stuff for adults. And that's, you know, that's what you got to find. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, illumination. That's like just stuff for kids, you know? Um, See black Panther to me, Wakanda forever didn't feel like a kid's movie. True. Yeah. Or um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with what it was relying on in terms of its relation to 80s and 90s iconography and horror and filming. Yeah. But also what it felt like to early superhero movies. That didn't feel like it. But then every other movie. Maybe it's every other movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh It's like it's like it means the Marvels. It's like the Bond movies where it's like the odd ones or something like is that how it works? The odd ones are like the bad ones. No, that's Star Trek. Star Trek, the odd ones are the bad ones. Okay. Is it just going to be like that now? Yeah. The odd ones, those are going to be the Uh-oh. baby movies. Okay, well, this bodes well for Guardians 3, but doesn't bode well for the Marvels. That's fine. I, literally, the only like MCU project I, I have serious stake in now is Guardians 3. I need this trilogy to like wrap up perfectly, or I am going to like be devastated. You know? I, I need this to be the perfect goodbye to these characters. I need to be crying the whole time. Or else I'm gonna be fucking upset. If it's gonna be a baby movie, I'm gonna be so mad. If it's if they're, if they're gonna love and thunder me with that, this one, oh brother. But I don't think they're going to because it's James Gunn and he loves these characters so much. And I know it just seems like we're going through a cycle of, oh my god, this is like Marvel at its peak. It's going back to what's normal too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is one of the worst things or the most divisive things that they've ever produced. And that's the cycle we're going through with every product, every other I hate saying it, but it's product, dude. And, it's be. and let's be honest, that's like that's most things. We got lucky with those first three phases where it was like an actual build up, you know? Where it's like, oh things. Well there was no crazy. hype behind it. No, there was no hype until like twenty seventeen. Yeah. There was no hype until and I, I, probably well i mean there was hype from us because we were big comic book fans and we loved like i mean we didn't love ultron but we love ultron as a character and we knew when they announced it at that comic-con that it was like oh that's so cool but like people weren't like ultron yeah no nobody was like that i think it really started with civil war was when people like got like when non-enthusiasts got like engaged because i remember that's when like that's when i started seeing the most like trailer reactions and stuff you know Mm-hmm. from people who never really engaged with this stuff and then it just sort of built up from there but now we're just in the thing of just like this is what comics are like today where it's just like yeah there's gonna like marvel fans don't read every single marvel comic book that comes out every wednesday you pick and choose your characters nope. i mean I, I this is still that's what i did yeah captain america yeah i i only read ant-man guardians um i read the captain america run and i read I didn't read Avengers. I read Power Man and Iron Fist. I thought that was really good. Uh, but I, but like I said, I just picked. I picked the ones that looked good to me. And I think that's just something that... Um, that both... Cri- I feel like critics and audiences need to accept that. Because I feel like... I think, I think critics have a role now, have a responsibility of like, if you don't like these movies, why are you reviewing them? 
you know right like i there's i know there's a lot of critics going in knowing that they're not gonna like this movie but they just have to for their job you know yeah and i'm and, and i'm not saying like oh only people who like these movies should review them so it gets 100 percent rotten tomatoes no i feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel like huh. people who are i feel like there, there should be uh even like level-headed people open individuals who who enjoy the medium who enjoy the genre you know not even enjoy who are interested in the genre you know review these movies and people you know those people will not like these movies you know some won't like them some will you know i just feel like you know i just seeing some critics that just like i don't know you know i just feel like can i ask you a question yeah where do you think this leads in terms of leads I got a chicken with the guys um, in the lab. Got him running in shifts. <laughs> Big I just I want to I want to try to bring our conversation towards a conclusion. Yeah, and I want to ask you. Really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you? What? How do you think this will affect, or do you think it will affect Marvel's plan going forward? Do you think the movies will start being not so successful, and like we'll see a reverse parabola where by the time we get to a new Avengers movie? it'll kind of be like the first Avengers movie in terms of hype. And then it will just, they'll just end the universe and do a, like a reset or are we looking at a transitional period into a new form of genre taking up the blockbusters? Cause they're the currently, they're the only thing propping up studios. Cause like the only movies avatar and top gun are the only two non superhero movies that are like making money. Cause like even the star, it would took one bad, two bad star Wars movies in a row. Yeah. And that kind of tanked Star Wars movies for a while. So it's just those two this, that made money. This is a super tough question because so many people's complaints at Phase 4 were like, oh, where is this going, you know? And now people's complaints with Quantumania were just like, oh, this is just like, this is just movies just the sake to progress like this grander narrative. And it's not a movie, you know? So where is this going? I don't know. I, I think... <laughs> I think uh, I think there's going to be a big focus after Secret Wars on Fantastic Four and X-Men. And I think they're just going to slowly start developing that, you know, bringing back sequels to, you know, our newer characters like Shang-Chi, Eternals, um, you know, M- Moon Knight's probably going to get more seasons, probably going to be like Midnight Suns, Blade, or something like that, you know. But I think, I think they're going to, I know there's a big focus now on uh, quality over quantity like that's that has been a heavily enforced thing at marvel you know since bob Iger was mm-hmm. put back as a uh, ceo you know um so i think i think after secret wars i think it i think it will go a lot smaller scale and slowly build up again and they're just gonna have to deal with people saying oh like these aren't these movies aren't going anywhere anymore with just giving quality stories you know does this change feige's path and what we've got currently planned do you think like do you think anything's changed from quantum medium to secret no or do you think it's set in stone and they're like we're we're doing what we're doing i think i think the grand plan has been was set it that that was set a long time ago but i think specific things can always be changed because i mean like they're, they're even like they changed third act battle sequences you know like that's true at, at, at once production ended you know um mm-hmm. 
it's just going to be like that. But I think the plan is going to stay the same, you know? And that's mm-hmm. just like, it's either going to be a great success. They're going to have another infinity song in their hands, or it's going to be, uh, you know, it's just going to be a stinker. And maybe the third saga will redeem them. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I don't even know if there will be a third. Song. You think it's going to, you think they'll reboot? Yes. I don't even I think they'll reboot and then take time. The thing is is like they're running out of stars to <clears throat> who want to be in these movies, I think. And not only that, it's it's I think fatigue is going to catch up to the general audiences at some point and then they're going to stop while they're ahead, you know. They're not going to gamble their winnings away, you know. It's a miracle that 20 a 23 film saga essentially from Iron Man to Spider-Man Far From Home was as cohesive and good as it was yeah. as a franchise. And the fact that I have a lot of hits in Phase 4 that I really like, but there's equally just as much that I'm like, eh, it's a step above the blockbusters that we've been getting from other studios. Like, it's no Jurassic World Dominion. So you think, Thank God. You think there's going to just be one Fantastic Four movie and then Secret Wars happens, they reboot it again? Even, even if it's good. Even if it's a yeah. good movie, I am I'm very concerned that like people just won't care anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. I and I'm I hope I'm wrong. I'm a big Marvel I'm fan. I'm just saying but there's like, a whole world they haven't even tapped into, which is X Men. That there's a reason why those movies were a success on their own because the world of X Men feels like a completely yeah. different universe than the rest of the Marvel comics. It's it's just differentiation between products. And I know we yeah. can believe now and trust people to know the difference between certain franchises. We were unsure of that, I think, before Endgame and No Way Home. Yeah. But I think people know there's a difference between the Fox X-Men and the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And most people, I would say, or like the, the Spider-Man universes. Everybody knows they're different. Yeah. It's not a continuation. But for God's sake, it's a different actor every time. Yeah. But... I just think in terms of audience interest and then what they're going to invest in, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just like, I'm very interested in the fact that the, it seems like it's not going away that these movies are divisive. And then why would they want to invest in a divisive product rather than investing in something new that everybody likes? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Anyway. Anyways. That's... Before we end this, and you talk about reboot, I want to recommend a comic that I just read that I think I think you would love it, Brandon, because you're yeah. you're a fan of Marvels, right? You read Marvels? No. Okay, now I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna recommend two comics. Then they're literally my two favorite Marvel comics of all time. Now, first one is Marvels. You know the famous Alex Ross. Um, it depicts uh, sort of. Uh, first person view of the beginnings of the marvel universe you know um from a f- from a photographer from the daily bugles perspective this it's like this old guy who's lived through you know world war ii he saw the golden age heroes he, he went, lives through the 60s he sees like all the characters in their prime coming to be it's such a good story um it it's a lot like kingdom come you know but it's i love that i know i love that. so you gotta read marvels and then you also you got to read the history of the Marvel universe. It's a very it's a fairly recent comic, but it literally starts from the Big Bang to the end of time and recaps it's Franklin Richards, the son of Reed Richards and Sue Storm, 
because he is literally the most powerful person in the universe and galactus they're the last two beings at the end of time he's the 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 being that can create and the being that can destroy and galactus and franklin richard's last request before the time ends and he creates a new universe is for galactus to tell him everything that happened so he starts from the very beginning and they're able to cohesively weave every marvel like every important marvel story into a like an actual continuity and it's like it's not just like a a series of summaries it like it actually like suits like a narrative you know and it's how many uh it's issues it's it's only just a one big only six issues only six issues you can probably get it as a trade and i i want it i want it i don't even i don't even own my two favorite marvel comics i go i want to go buy them now i want to go down to the house of secrets in burbank and buy marvels and the history of the marvel universe i highly recommend people read that if they want to you know get their marvel on or anything <laughs> read those comics i think they're great well i can read it on hoopla hoopla those have comics i thought have it was just heard? movies no it's you can you can get you can do books and stuff hmm. ebooks so that's cool i'm gonna read it on hoopla Go for it. but um yeah it's been a great show it's I been a fantastic show stacked... i miss having this you know guys brandon and i would always have these talks who is that? It's that bearded man. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Brandon and I would like, we'd literally like have all these talks all the time when we were roommates, just sitting on the couch and just talking like this. So it was f- fun to finally put this to recording hour 45, uh, podcast, you know, we love it. We had a good time. I missed you, Brandon. And I can't wait to see you again on Wednesday when we hang out and on Thursday when we record a new episode of Stacked. <laughs> i'm gonna be so busy yeah i got a busy week too i gotta go i gotta go to work to almost every day this week down in anaheim so we love to see it all right okay thank you so much everybody for listening to this episode of stacked after hours um do you want to say anything say your goodbyes brandon bye